Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? They believe that they can they can destroy this bond that exists between you and Trump if they somehow make Trump look bad, make Trump look like a reprobate, embarrass you about Trump. They can't do it because you came before Trump desperately want Trump gone, and I, I know that they desperately want it codified, that Trump cannot run again, because make no mistake, they remain scared to death of you, and they remain scared to death of Trump. Uh, Trump, 75 million, 80 million votes, and I'm going to tell you, you're not going anywhere. Even if Trump does, you're not which I think remains one of our big campaign strengths going forward. They can't separate you from Trump. And more importantly, they can't separate you from the ideas. They can't separate you from MAGA. They can't separate you from Make America Great Again. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. My goodness, today is going so quickly. Hour number three already of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back, my friends. As always, delighted to be with you. This is one of those conversations that should not be political. This is a conversation that should be universal. It should bleed over every single physical and religious and cultural difference among us. Because it is universal that we should all wish for life. Life. Not for governments who want to hurt us or who hide data from us because they're part of a money laundering operation. I mean, this is this stuff of Frankenstein creating a monster. And the disgusting degree to which the left goes to, to prop up scumbags like Bill Gates and Tony Fauci and all of these pharma companies and these new billionaire pharma CEOs. As how many people suffer the consequences of their deceit. This ought to be talked about everywhere on every show. How about this headline? How Pfizer hid nearly 80% of COVID vaccine trial deaths from regulators. 80%. You know, when the whole emergency use authorization thing came out, it was this hurry, hurry, hurry. We need to hurry. Something's going on out there. There's a virus. We've got to fight it. We've got to protect people. It's always this very emotional, kind of insane, frantic plea. It was the same thing if people uh, in the House speakers race, right? Hurry! The whole world is burning. You've got to hurry. It's such an obvious tactic. But the whole emergency use authorization was to prevent liability. That's it. Because according to an EUA... 
A drug maker is not to be held responsible for something that's put out under the guise of an emergency. Well, they, they didn't know. We thought we were doing the best thing. And it ended up, you know, well, a lot of people died and a lot of people have got, gotten injured. But sorry, we did our best. Unacceptable. Holy unacceptable. And if I'm the only person out here saying that, so be it. Guilty as charged. Proudly. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of this. According to an analysis published this month in the International Journal of Vaccine Theory, Practice, and Research, Pfizer-BioNTech, Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine clinical trial data, the vaccine makers hid fatality data from regulators in order to qualify for emergency use authorization. What kind of of evil person, people, entities, conglomerates think that that's okay. Right? How, how is that? How is that possible? Here's your story. And I, I can't... Mm. Pfizer-BioNTech delayed reporting vaccine-associated deaths among clinical trial participants until after... The U.S. Food and Drug Administration issued an emergency use authorization for the product. The vaccine makers also failed to account for a large number of subjects who dropped out of the trial. Together, these strategies kept regulators and the public ignorant of a 3.7-fold increase in cardiac deaths among subjects who received the vaccine, according to an analysis in the International Journal of Vaccine Theory, Practice, and Research. The authors of the paper described it as a, quote, forensic analysis defined by the U.S. National Institutes for Standards and Technology as the use of scientific methods or expertise to investigate crimes, or examine evidence that might be presented in a court of law. What the analysis shows. Corrine Michaels, Ph.D., retired distinguished professor of biology at Queens College, New York, led the daily clout Pfizer-BioNTech documents investigations team on what the authors claim was the first independent examination of original data from the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 mRNA vaccine clinical trial. Investigators looked at each of the 38 deaths occurring between July 27, 2020, the start of phase two and three of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine trial, and March 13th of 2020, the end date culminating of in Pfizer-BioNTech's six-month interim report. The trial phase involves 44,060 subjects. Half received a dose of the, of the vaccine. Half got a placebo consisting of an inactive sterile salt solution. The trial was unusual because at week 20, after the FDA issued the EUA emergency use authorization for the vaccine, trial subjects in the placebo group were allowed to switch to the vaccinated group and receive their first Pfizer shot. Switching from the placebo to the vaccinated group, uh, unbinding is what they call, unblinding, I should say, is what they call it, normally occurs when the benefit of the drug is so great that not treating subjects becomes unethical. So we have something that's serious. We have a virus. We're worried about the virus. We've created something. The results must be so fantastic 
that the people in the placebo, placebo group should be able to benefit from the vaccine. That's how normally you would unblind the placebo group. But that's not what happened here. Of, of 20,794 unblinded placebo subjects in the Pfizer trial, 19,685 received at least one dose of the Pfizer vaccine. Normally, the decision to unblind the vaccine would be based on the product's safety and effectiveness in reaching certain endpoints or objectives. So it was good. It was working. It was beneficial. It wasn't hurting people. That would be a normal reason to unblind the placebo group. Endpoints for a drug to prevent viral infections might be a, a positive test or self-reported COVID-19 illness, illness requiring hospitalization or death. But perhaps unexpectedly, after 33 weeks, the data revealed no significant difference between deaths in the vaccinated and placebo groups for the initial 20-week placebo-controlled portions of the trial. So people in the trial getting the actual drug weren't getting any benefit. After week 20, after most former placebo subjects had received the vaccine, deaths among those in the vaccine group continued unabated. The authors revealed, quote, inconsistencies between data presented in Pfizer's six-month interim report and subsequent publication by Pfizer BioNTech trial site administrators. Most, most importantly, we found evidence of an over 3.7-fold increase in the number of deaths due to cardiac events in the vaccinated individuals compared to those who'd only received the placebo. That means that 79% of relevant deaths were not recorded in time to be included in Pfizer's regulatory paperwork. They knew in the first phase, my friends, that 1,223 people had died just from Pfizer. And they, they pushed it on anyway. And then they wanted 75 years to hide the data from all of us. Now, the Pfizer data obtained through a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit uncovered four additional deaths in the vaccine group and one more in the placebo group. But Pfizer failed to include these data in their FDA submission despite an explicit study design requirement to do so. What they showed is that people were dying and they were dying within days of getting the shot. And they withheld that information from their publications. And they withheld that information from the FDA. And the FDA then went and ran interference for Pfizer, demanded from a federal judge that they get 75 years to release all the information. The FDA and its advisory panel unanimously said, make sure you get this out, emergency use authorization. And that decision shielded Pfizer from any kind of financial liability when some Somebody died or got hurt. Do you see how it all works now? And that's just the beginning. Because you know I don't come with one bit of information for you. There is so much more. How about Bill Gates? How is it possible that he invested so much money in Pfizer before COVID was even a thing? And then sold it before we found out the vaccine was hurting people? Hmm. Let's look at that. 
next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Gosh, it's almost like we should be talking about the baggie in the White House, right? You know, I'm not I'm not terribly impressed by people who have exorbitant wealth because my my experience with really wealthy people has been that they tend to be very unhappy people. I don't think money equals happiness, but I do believe the insatiable desire to make more, to become richer and richer becomes pathological and can lead a lot of people in some dark areas. I don't know if Bill Gates has always been dark, but I'm pretty sure he's always been a dirtbag. So there's a tweet that I found that actually Brock found and he sent it to me over the weekend. And this is what it said. It says Bill Gates purchased shares in BioNTech, Pfizer's partner for its mRNA COVID shots, in September 2019. September 2019. This is just months before the pandemic was announced. Why would he do that? It's so odd, isn't it? Hmm. Gates purchased 1,038,674 shares at pre-public offering price of $18.10 per share. Gates then dumped his stocks in November 2021 at an average sale price of $300 per share. That's a nice dividend. That is a pretty fancy profit. Holy mackerel. He's going to be able to take a nice vacation. That's like. Because he's probably earned it. That is better than insider trading at the Capitol. I mean, that's incredible. That's better than Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. I mean, it's better than all of them. It's almost, it's almost like Gates knew COVID-19 was going to be released. And he also knew the vaccines were never designed to, to stop transmission. So... I Googled that, and it is proven that he did that. Childrenshealthdefense.com, Pfizer's 2022 profits of $31.4 billion on record sales of $100 billion. Sales from its COVID-19 vaccine and Paxlovid used to treat COVID-19 totaled $56 billion, more than half the vaccine maker's annual revenue. However, the company warned investors to expect sales of those two products to plummet up to 58% in 2023 to only about $21.5 billion, $3 billion short of the Wall Street projections. Pfizer projected total 2023 revenue of only about only about only about 67 to 71 billion dollars. Well, investigative reporter Jordan Schachtel revealed the extent of Bill Gates profit making from his investments in Pfizer partner BioNTech. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation made 15 times its initial investment when the foundation sold its BioNTech shares at the height of their value in 2021. And then what happened two months later? Pfizer's stock fell 15%. That was in January of 2022. Pfizer and Moderna said they likely will quadruple the price of their COVID-19 vaccines to between $110 to $130 per dose when the U.S. government stops paying for the shots later this year. It's already happened. 
Schachtel reviewed Security and Exchange Commission's filings and found that the Gates Foundation downsized their BioNTech holdings by 86% over the third quarter of 2021. What? This is so weird. How would Bill Gates know in his crystal ball to put in so much money and buy a million shares of BioNTech? And then just a month later, a month, six weeks later, do Event 201. You know what that was. That was the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation funded run through of what we would do in the event of a pandemic. It's so weird. These magic eight ball crystal ball moments are so neat when they line up on the calendar of a eugenic scumbag like Bill Gates, right? I'm going to invest all of this money in a, in a company that's about to, to drop a a vaccine in air quotes for something we know nothing about yet, except Bill Gates and Anthony Fauci and Peter Daszak and Ralph Barrick at UNC Chapel Hill and the bat woman, the bat scientist, wackadoodle, who was doing all the gain of function research that we were paying for, that Fauci was lying under oath to Rand Paul about. Isn't it so cool how we get sick and we go broke and these dirtbags get rich? And now we hear Pfizer is saying, well, we're not making so much this year, but in 2024, we've got all sorts of cool new vaccines that we're going to be dropping on you which means there's going to be some new viruses, friends. The question is, who's going to be dumb enough to pay attention? Mm, don't go anywhere. When we come back, of course, it takes a Freedom of Information Act request, right, to dig into the White House's knowledge of just how bad these vaccines were and push them on us anyway. Next. If you've ever known someone who has come back from war, you know that they come back to you in a very different way. They've seen things. They've been asked to do things that they cannot unsee, undo, or forget. And they change. And the hard part about reacclimating to society after being in battle is to try not to allow your knowledge of war and all that is encompassing under that umbrella to change the fabric of who you are, except you're changed. We are changed. We have been through our own proverbial wars and we're still slugging through several of them. And I have to tell you how violating it is, how angry it makes me as someone who joined the media because I cared about information and I cared about telling the truth. And I cared about sharing people's stories. 
I cared about all of it. And it's done. It's been completely corrupted. And now you get to the point where you believe nothing. You are the soldier who returns home mentally scarred. Because we are. We told you about this on Friday. What was our headline for the show? There was a report that Mark Meadows had worn a wire when he was Donald Trump's chief of staff and had secretly, for the FBI, recorded conversations with the former president. Now, the report ended up being untrue. And we talked about, we used that as our opening monologue to say, when people who otherwise are believable, dependable, credible people tell you things that are untrue, all of a sudden, everything is skeptical. Everything should be a question. And you become jaded. You become hardened. And unfortunately, we have to be. Because when I read you, this is a headline. And I don't think you're going to like it. Because I don't think we like much of the things that we have to talk about, but must. Freedom of Information Act emails revealed the White House covered up COVID-19 vaccine heart damage. Now, why should it take a Freedom of Freaking Information Act request to get information about what's hurting us potentially from your government? It ought not. But this is the world in which we live, and it makes me angry to say the least. And it should you as well. The White House and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention knew in April 2021 that the Pfizer COVID-19 mRNA vaccine was linked to heart damage on an unprecedented scale for a vaccine. But they hid that knowledge from the public while pushing vaccine mandates. This is according to emails obtained by Daily Clout through a Freedom of Information Act request. You're not going to tell us. You're going to ask to stonewall us. You're going to lie to our faces. You're going to bastardize science. You're going to fiddle with the data. You're going to just be the most disappointing dirtbags. All of you, huck, line, and sinker in our government. I mean, is there any other conclusion? These emails show that the White House communications team was struggling to craft a cover-up message on email chains that included, who else? Dr. Anthony Fauci, then director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and chief medical advisor to Joe Biden, CDC director Rochelle Walensky. It's your greatest hits of suck. Dr. Janet Woodcock, then acting commissioner of the FDA, U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, and Dr. Francis Collins, then director of the NIH. A number of high-level public health officials worked with upper echelon leadership to craft a, quote, myocarditis email. These are children we're talking about. How dare you? And you know who's hurt more often, most often than others? Young teen males. Of my five sons, three are that category. How freaking dare you? Drip, drip, drip. 
this myocarditis email that minimized the relationship between their jabs and permanent heart damage, said Amy Kelly, program director for the War Room Daily Clout Pfizer Documents Analysis Project. According to Kelly, the officials included Ian Sams, COVID-19 response and special assistant to the president. He's the little pencil neck who lies all the time. Abigail Tumpy, then associate director for communication science for the CDC's public health infrastructure. Don't they have great names? And Dr. Dana Meany-Delman, the CDC's lead on maternal immunization and the CDC chief of infant outcomes, monitoring research and prevention branch. How many women lost their children in spontaneous abortions, miscarriages. Mm. The Freedom of Information Act requests or emails were obtained by a man named Edward Berkovich. He's one of 250 volunteer attorneys that Kelly oversees on the Daily Clout and War Room Project to analyze the court-ordered FDA-released 450,000 pages of Pfizer's records on its mRNA COVID-19 vaccine records, the drug maker tried unsuccessfully to keep private for 75 years. The War Room Daily Cloud Project was founded by best-selling author and journalist Naomi Wolf, former advisor to the Clinton campaign, in collaboration with Steve Bannon, former advisor to President Trump, and podcaster on The War Room. Listen to this. In addition to volunteer attorneys, this is where we are because we are lied to so much. Kelly oversees approximately 3,250 volunteer doctors and nurses and scientists and others who are reviewing these documents. They've issued 89 investigative reports, including one earlier this month on the myocarditis cover-up evident in the Freedom of Information Act request emails. Astonishingly, this is a direct quote, the emails reveal that the most senior of leaders all the way up to the White House knew about heart damage linked to mRNA vaccines, yet they colluded behind the scenes to conceal this side effect from the American people. Anytime any of these individuals comes forward with the faux crocodile tears of compassion and feeling, and we're all in this together, I want to choke someone. They knew, of course, they knew. The same way that our buddy Bill Gates, how much do you think he made? I'm going to pull up my article here. How much do you think Bill Gates made? He bought Pfizer, he bought BioNTech stock three months before the virus became a thing. A million shares. $18 a share. Sold it, what, a year later? At $300 a share? $260 million profit. For the scumbag-in-chief, Bill Gates, who pushed incessantly the value, the the doing-the-right-thingness of getting jabbed. And then, as he sold it, he said, eh, 
It really wasn't what we wanted. It could have done more. We'll have to go back to the drawing board. I'm sure that drawing board is already greased. And Bill Gates' fingerprints are all over it. And here's the real kick in the pants. He doesn't face any kind of taxes for this because he bought it through his stupid nonprofit. <laughs> right. That's a sweetheart deal not even Hunter Biden got. What? Hunter just didn't pay the taxes. No, Hunter had a very wealthy lawyer and Hollywood producer who just happened to absorb his loans, just happened to cover his unpaid tax bill, just happened to be there to buy his terrible artwork, just happened to be there to be a major donor of the Joe Biden campaign just happened to be there to assemble a team of lawyers to help Hunter Biden beat back all of these allegations of suck. Bill Gates, his foundation, 250 plus million dollar profit. And we know that the White House knew all along that myocarditis was a very real and deadly side effect. Must we scratch our heads, my friends, and try to figure out why it is that so many young athletes that the media don't cover, but we read about, have been dying suddenly? Might it all be connected? Huh. You know, thank goodness, there is a woman in New Zealand who is saying the quiet part now very loudly. I have three jaw-dropping audio sound bites for you on tap. She said, because of these vaccines, New Zealand is a crime scene. Wait for it next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Why are we paying attention to New Zealand today? Well, interesting headline that you need to know about. New Zealand politician calling for full-blown criminal investigation into COVID vaccine deaths. Quote, the government knew every side effect before one single jab was given in New Zealand. Wait, what? A major political shift has occurred in New Zealand after six years of Jacinda Ardern's liberal rule. Former Prime Minister Ardern, who unexpectedly announced she no longer, quote, had enough in the tank to fulfill the position in January 2023, passed the torch on to Chris Hipkins, who suffered a crushing defeat just last month or earlier this month, I should say, in the New Zealand general election to conservative Christopher Luxon Luxon. On October 14th. Okay, so that is the backdrop of this with the election kind of in the rearview mirror. New Zealand loyal party leader, woman by the name of Liz Gunn, issued a post-election update. This was just several days ago uh, with the mother of all revelations. 
Now, before the election, she had been contacted by a clinician mathematician whistleblower who had some information linking tens of thousands of Kiwi deaths. Those are, of course, New Zealand citizens are called Kiwis. Deaths to the COVID-19 injections. This unnamed whistleblower insisted that his or her words would be published after the election. Well, Liz Gunn sat down with this individual and she put out an eight-minute video. We've cut up three minutes of it. I want you to hear what this woman, who's the loyal party leader in New Zealand, has to say. And it is nothing short of breathtaking. Audio soundbite one. We have now come to an undisclosed location with a New Zealand clinician mathematician who is very experienced in statistical analysis. That person has with us reviewed the data and confirms our position that it is damning. The figures show that there are tens of thousands of deaths linked to the jabs. And this is just one of the sites recording this type of information in New Zealand. We don't know how many further databases like this are in the country. So it follows that as the deaths are usually less than the numbers of side effects, then the extrapolation of the numbers of injured and dead Kiwis starts to become, frankly, eye-watering. Tens of thousands, she suggests. Tens of thousands of deaths. Why don't they let us see the the data? Why has the data been manipulated? Why has the data been compromised? For a very good reason. She continues, we found some very troubling bombshell information. Listen, please. This is the one you need to hear. Go. We saw in the data that there are many clusters of deaths, people who attended the same jab site and were jabbed one after the other at consecutive times on the same day. We saw their jab date. We saw their date of death. Let me give you just one of many examples. On one day, 30 people were jabbed on the same day at the same location. All are now deceased and their deaths are in close temporal time proximity to each other. That's, that's 30. That's all players in a rugby match on the field suddenly dead. You see, statistically, the numbers of deaths we saw cannot be attributed to natural causes given same site and same date of vaccination. It would be what they say statistically highly unlikely. What did we tell you last year? We started getting this actuarial data from an Indianapolis insurance company waving their arms, saying, why are we seeing excess mortality plus 40% among working aged people, 18 to 65, plus 40%? What is going on? Of course, if you said that here in the United States, you were silenced. You were called a vaccine skeptic or denier or worse. You were called a conspiracy theorist. Data, actuarial data does not lie. The New Zealand loyal party leader Liz Gunn continues. 
And what she says is going to drip, drip, drip here in the United States. And one day, this will be the mainstream conversation. Go. We are calling for an inquiry. Not just any inquiry, a full-blown criminal investigation leaving no stone unturned. New Zealand is a crime scene. Computers of anyone associated with this COVID response rollout in any capacity, mobile phones, communications, bank accounts, archives, and a whole host of other targeted information must be seized. We have OIA evidence, Official Information Act evidence, that the government knew every side effect before one single jab was given in New Zealand. So this evidence lays waste to the safe and effective narrative. It also underlines the gravity and enormity of what I have just stated in this statement. Indeed, she is correct. And I hold up... One page, two pages, three pages, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine pages of known side effects that they knew about during phase one. Anybody who hasn't been talking about this better start soon, my friends. Because this is the biggest scam. It makes the Biden crime family syndicate look like child's play. Drip, 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 my friends. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for being a part of the Wendy Bell Radio program. Peace.